it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 21 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. Today, we're going to talk about being fearless. Coach Tonegal has talked in past episode about his desire as a coach to create unified hearts and fearless minds. In the second half, he's going to share where the concept of fearlessness came from and why it's been such a critical part of the growth of the program. First, we're going to be joined by Grant Smith. Grant's going to share his journey in basketball, starting with a childhood in a basketball-crazy community all the way to the national title game. He will take you inside a moment in the national championship where a play was drawn up for him and he had to live out the fearless mentality. We're joined now by Grant Smith. Grant, you grew up in a classic Hoosier hysteria town of Connersville, where the whole city loved hoops. What was that like? Uh, basketball was really uh, all our town had. Um, everybody just like loved to play. The park's always full, and um, playing on the Friday night in the Spartan Bowl is something you'll never you'll never forget because the crowd's always our home crowd is always filling up the gym. And uh, when we get good good teams coming in, the, the gym's usually packed with thousands of people. I remember coming and watching you and your state tournament run, and it felt like the entire town was at the game. I, how many people live in Connersville? Like 13,000 maybe. And we'd show up at games, and it'd feel like there were 13,000 people at those games. What was it like to have the support of the community like that? Um, there's really no better feeling than a, a strong community behind you because it's like motivation, and it helps you – helps you throughout the game um, just when they bring energy from the crowd it uh, really brings the team to bring more energy on the court and you played for a great coach in, in coach Brown and a great staff and a program that's had a lot of success but you guys had some of the greatest success the the programs ever had talk about the state run and and what you guys were able to accomplish um, our, our senior season was pretty crazy uh, we we lost one game in the regular season and it was uh, the best record Connorsville's had. And then we go to the state tournament, and we win sectionals again. Uh, it was back-to-back years. Um, and we had a tough draw in regionals. We had to play Brownsburg, and uh, we, we took them to overtime and beat them. Um, but it was, a, it was a nail-biter. And then the second game, we had to play Ben Davis, which um, we, put up, we, we didn't put up much of a fight. But they were, they were a really good team. They actually won state that year. But we uh, made a pretty memorable, memorable run, if you ask me. I remember those games, how many fans were there, and just it felt like a big-time Indiana high school back basketball environment. So you're no stranger to big games, and that went on to you along with Kyle Mangus being named to the Indiana All-Star team, which in this state is a really prestigious honor. How did you feel about being in, on the Indiana All-Star team? I just remember when I got that phone call, um, coach, coach was about to tell me, and uh, I kind of knew it. So I, I was smiling, and my mom was just like looking at me. She was waiting See what was see what he was saying, and when I told her, it was like, it, there was really no better feeling than that. Huh. Yeah, it was a special time. I remember coming down and watching you guys play, and just being excited about what you guys would bring to our program. But we also didn't know coming into this year what the team would be like because we had lost 
so many key players from the Final Four run last year. What did you expect coming in, and what were some of the the ways that you had to grow this year in your freshman season? Um, I didn't really think about expectations. Um, I, was tr- I was more trying to get a feel of the team and see where we were at from the start of the season. And um, once I realized the potential we had, it was kind of um, obvious that we could make a, a run in the tournament. Um, some some key points throughout the season uh, was was for me was just changing in uh, from high school basketball to college basketball. Is it it's pretty physical. Um, college basketball is a lot more physical than high school, and everybody's a lot stronger, taller, more athletic, and uh, that was a big adjustment for me. So every new player in a program has these adjustments where they come into a new culture. They're playing against different competition. What was it like to have guys like Ben Carlson and Jacob Johnson as seniors as you made the adjustment? Ben and JJ really uh, showed me how to be a good leader, and that's something I wanted to grow into be. I have a lot of the great characteristics to be a good leader, but I learned a lot of new things because the system is different from high school to college with like leading kids. And Ben and JJ really showed me like when's the time to to yell at someone to get them motivated, or when's the time to like stop and talk to everybody to get them. Uh, focused and I think they really did a good job of just knowing exactly when to lead the team the right way. We move into the national tournament. We're playing some of our best basketball, winning the the conference regular season, the conference tournament. What were your thoughts and mentality going into the tournament as as we stepped into Sioux Falls for the first time? I felt that we were playing really good basketball and I just I just felt like no one in the nation could beat us. Like if we just play like this every game um, I knew we were going to have ups and downs throughout the tournament, but it was like if we play our, our best ball now, I don't think anybody can beat us. And it really played out that we've talked to some of the players in past episodes about the first two games and some of the nervousness that we felt, and we were lacking a little bit of energy at times. So we move into the first couple of games, and players in the past few episodes have talked about the first two games and some of the, the pressures we were feel, feeling and that we weren't playing our best but something clicks before the Elite Eight game, and we win that game. We beat IU East in the Final Four, and we're playing for a national championship. What happened during the day for you, and what do you remember about the anticipation building to play in that big of a game? Um, I was hanging out with uh, Ben Carlson in his room that day, pretty much all day before the game, and I remember I was just laying down, and I was, I was like, I'm going to take a nap, and he was, he was like, okay, and I felt him just like shaking the whole time. And he was, like, so excited. And I kept asking him, like, how do you feel? And he could not stop smiling. He's like, I just want to play. I just want to play. And it, like, woke me up. And I was like, this is our this is our time to do it. Like, today's the day. I don't know why I'm trying to take a nap. I should be excited. And Ben, like, motivated me for that game, like, way earlier than I needed it. But it, it was fun. And there's always been something about you, Grant. We saw it in high school. Big moments bring out a fearless side of you and an energy level from you that not everyone can get to. And you had that going into that game. So as we started the game and and uh, we're playing against St. Francis' team, we've already played three times. What do you remember about the start of that game and how things progressed? Well, we started out pretty hot. We went on a run, and uh, we were bringing a lot of energy, uh, having a lot of joy, and we actually got up 18 at one point. And then uh, St. Francis went on a run. Um, I figured they would. All good teams go on a run, especially in big games. Um, the seniors always will play good in the second half because they'll realize it's their last game. So I like, 
I knew they were going to go on a run. They cut it to two, and I was like, I just still had that feeling. I was like, there's no way that we're going to lose this game. So I kind of had it in my mind, like, we just keep we keep doing what we're doing, and they can keep making shots, but they can't hang with us for the whole game. So I, I kind of knew we had it. Yeah, St. Francis had such a great senior class with Derek Hynan and Evan Henry and Bryce Lamp. They'd been in big games. They were competitive kids, and they go on this run. But our energy was so high during that game. Yeah, all I can remember is the bench never never sitting down. The refs kept hollering at them to sit down. Um, <laughs> we were yelling. just We were trying to get in their heads. We were just all over the court. Um, it was like it was like a whole new team almost like the as the game went on like it was the more hungry we got i'm thinking back to times in high school when you're trying to get thousands of fans in Connorsville hyped up in a big moment and i can guarantee when they see grant smith on a podcast every single one of them is listening right now and i want to go inside a timeout and really get inside a player's mind when a play's drawn up for him so we call a timeout there's a big moment and as coaches we decide we want to run a set to get grant the ball in a specific spot and we come in the huddle and we draw up a play to get you the ball and we say grant it's time for you to go make a play what's your mentality right then um i normally have a downhill mentality just like to go score but um just like in a big game and i have great players around me i was kind of just thinking like okay this just because they're drawing up the the play for the ball to be in my hands doesn't mean i have to i have to do the one be the one to score and I caught the ball on the right wing, and I kind of just told myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to make a play, but nothing special. And I drove right, and I felt him, like, right on my hip, so I just crossed over, and uh, he actually fell, and I went and got an and one. Um, so I, I happened to make the play that time, but it could have been anybody. It's a play that you've made dozens of times in practice, but to do it in that moment was really special. And then it went viral. It went around social media, and – a lot of places retweeted it because of the, the move you made. What was the response you got from some of your family and friends as that started spreading around social media? Uh, it was pretty crazy. I was getting like a lot of texts and just like um, people tweeting at me. And um, it was it was cool that everybody was showing love about it. So we go on from there. That kind of iced the game. We win the game and there's a massive celebration how was that to celebrate after all the hard work, the ups and downs of the season, the growth that you went through and the team went through? What was that like? Um, as the time was winding down, I really had like, I just feel like so much energy inside of me. And when the buzzer went off, I just took off running. I had no idea where I was going. Um, like <laughs> confetti started falling. I was just like, I don't know where I'm running. And I just saw Micah and he was running at me and he fell. And I just like fell on him. We were hugging. It was like, it was like the most joyful celebration ever i it's hard to describe <laughs> that confetti never stopped no they had that they had confetti blown in there for a minute <laughs> <laughs> talk about joy you use the word joy and it's something we were really pursuing as a team what do you feel like you learned about playing with joy from the national tournament run um as a team we kind of just pursued joy because um coaches talked about i think it was coach t talked about how much joy is in the Bible and it was one of the most used words in the Bible so we all kind of pursued that word to see where it take us and it happened to be like the word throughout the tournament so we were trying to play out of joy because it brings like the really good side of our team is just more energy and we happen to make shots when we're playing with joy. And one of the concepts we talk about is being fearless 
What does fearless look like as a basketball player? I'd say being fearless is um, almost like being a good leader because you always you're always trying to make the right thing happen, um, even no matter what you feel like is going to happen with the play. You're you're trying to make the right one, and you just do it aggressively. So a lot of times we were we were changing our defense a lot late in the tournament, um, just with different teams because they've had weapons that we haven't seen before, just what they had, and so. Coach, the coaches just kept saying, you know, be fearless about what you're going to do before you make a decision. If you say you're going to go try to steal it, you got to you got to sell out aggressively. You can't just half halfway go for it. And one of the things we talk about a lot, Coach T says it all the time, is greatness favors the fearless. And we saw it in that moment coming out of the timeout. And when we come back for the second half, Coach T is going to be talking specifically about fearlessness. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're back for the second half with Coach Tonigal. Coach, we're talking about fearless in this episode. Why don't you take listeners back to where that concept came from? Yeah, a huge, uh, I guess, just a transformation in my own life. We were coming out of uh, our fourth consecutive trip to the Elite Eight, which at one one time that, that was a success and something we um, were, were pretty pleased in. But then it became frustrating because we, we wanted to get to a Final Four. So we were asking all sorts of questions. And I called up two coaches that had played quite differently than us and asked them if I could come just study and learn under them for a couple days. And I told them I wouldn't share anything. So I fly out to a coach uh, in Kansas City and got some great information. He'd been super successful, won a national championship. Then I fly out to uh, to Donnie Bostwick, was a friend of mine in uh, Sagu. He had, he had just left another school where he'd won some national championships. And everything I heard from players to managers to secretaries to it didn't matter who I talked to as I interviewed, they talked about this man took fear out of the game. And I was certainly intrigued. My, my heart was was captivated. And I sat on that plane. I said, God, I don't know what this means, but we're going to search this out and we're going to seek this. So when I got home, I, I sat in front of the coaching staff and the team and I said, this program needs to become fearless. I have no idea what that means, but like anything, we're going to start in Scripture. So we just started digging in and, and looking at the meaning of fearless. Can you connect I am third and fearless? Yeah, I think you actually made the first connection, but um, – First John four eighteen says, "Perfect love drives out all fear." So we don't become fearless by uh, becoming more confident or courageous. We become more fearless as we love God, because when we love Him perfectly, we don't fear failure, we don't fear identity, we don't fear fear all the the, the common things that cause us to be paralyzed each and every day. So take us back through that season, two thousand fourteen. How did that work grow during the year, and what did it manifest itself in? That that year will always go down as 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 one of the uh, 
the, the greatest years in my coaching profession in terms of just being impacted by our team. Because every day we just would come together and we'd say, what did you learn? What did God teach you about fearless? And we were amazed at how much there was in the Bible con- concerning fearless. And first off, I'll, I'll just share this. That the, one of the first things we learned, if, if you take what Jesus said and you pack it, package it into genres, he talked about fear more than any other concept, more than love, more than serve, more than money. So what that showed us right from the beginning was as humans, we have a propensity to fear. And Jesus wants nothing more for our lives than to get rid of that fear. So then we, we get out to the national tournament, and as we've talked in other episodes, the words we're studying often come to life in the national tournament. So we'd been to four Elite Eights in a row, but 2014, we won the national championship for the first time. What did Fearless have to do with us winning the, the biggest game of the year? Well, for, for eight years or so, in my mind, fear was the great motivator. And what I realized through that study and, and the way God transformed my heart, that it was no longer the great motivator. In fact, it was the great paralyzer. So we began to ask questions of how do we take fear out of the game? It could be as simple as uh, the way we talk to our players. It could be as simple as scouting reports, the amount of information we give our, our players. And it was something we began to grow in. And, and to see it unleashed that year, our team reached its potential. And that's what we believe about fearless is that greatness favors the fearless. And if you look throughout history, anybody who has chosen to be fearless has has reached their potential or exceeded their potential because they no longer let uh, fear paralyze them or keep them from becoming their absolute best. I think of some of the specific guys on that team, because this concept has lived on, but that year we were exploring it and there was a lot of uncertainty. So I think of R.J. Mahurin, who had transferred in and had been known as a guy who took a lot of bad shots and wasn't always bought into the team. And, and we chose to coach him differently that year with the, the concept of fearlessness in mind and to see him grow and to see him develop. And this the way he was bought in as we went down the stretch and even the way he continues to be bought into our program today. And also Jordan Widener, another senior on that team, Garvin Hoy, those three guys embodied fearlessness what difference did you think it made for them on the court as they lived into this mentality? Well, fearlessness leads to freedom. And so if you're talking on the basketball court, is there any concept basketball-driven that you want your players to operate more and then freedom, especially when you're a team that, that plays motion, you've got talent. Freedom allows the ball to pop. Freedom allows guys to shoot uh, with much more confidence. Freedom allows them to make plays based off instinct rather than what did my coach say? Because if you're thinking, what did my coach say? Chances are you're too late, right? You haven't helped on help side or you've already missed the guy who's cut to the basket. So what we've seen freedom or fearless do is, is free up our guys' minds and their hearts. So as they've done that, I think everybody who's grown in that concept has, has reached a level of um, playing that they probably never thought they could get to. The morning of the Elite Eight, which we had been to four times in a row, Jordan Widener woke up and, and just felt like he had heard from the Lord from the book of Psalms. And he had had a really tough first two games. He hadn't been himself. He hadn't been playing well. And he got in front of the team and he basically said, guys, I've been putting everything on my shoulder to be the guy who leads us to our first Final Four. I realized as I was reading this last night, I'm not playing for the Lord. I'm playing for myself. And for me to really be I am third, I have to be fearless in worship tonight as I play. And he went out that night. He had 35 points and 12 assists. One of the greatest individual performances that we've ever had in this program. But it wasn't about him. And that's what led him to have that much success. And I remember walking into that night, the championship game, and just sitting on the bench and thinking, why am I not nervous? Why am I not afraid? I mean, 
I had had regular season games where I'd been much more fearful and afraid, but God had done a work in our lives. And, and, and part of it was through what Jordan had spoke. And I, it spoke to many other players. I know as a leader, a lot of times you can want your players to be fearless, but fear creeps into your own mind. So as you navigate this as, as a leader yourself, how would you speak to other leaders about what it means to both live and lead in a fearless way? Well, I think you're just asking the question, how do I take fear out of the game? And, and and for some guys, that means you just make things simple, right? Some guys fear making the mistake, so they overprocess. So for that guy, I don't give them five things they got to do every time they touch the ball or, or give them a scouting report that's four pages thick. For some guys, it's it's, you know what, they need identity. And maybe their dad hasn't given them the approval so they're looking to me for that approval. And I've really got to change the way I talk to them. I've got to change my response to when they don't play uh, well. And, and as you know your players and as you truly listen to their hearts, you'll be able to give them what they need in order to take fear out of the game. I remember specifically, though, in 2014, how hard it was at times to really live this out because we saw moments of tension during the season where we felt like we were trying to take fear out of the game, but guys went too far with it. Our guys didn't seem like they were responding and we didn't know how it was going to end up. So when, when a leader's trying to lead fearlessly, but then they, they face these moments where it doesn't seem to be working, how do you stay the course? Well, I remember, I hope our Jim Hearn's listening because he'll <laughs> like this story, but he, Early on, it was a it was a uh, let's say just a challenge to get him to take good shots, and I think he hit the backboard on on one of his <laughs> corner threes for like the third time. And I took him out and I said, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I'm playing fearless." And I thought to myself, "No, you're playing stupid." <laughs> and it reminded me as as you talk fearless, you have to understand what what fearless is and where it's rooted. It's it's rooted in faith, and it obviously comes from scripture. So we maintained staying into scripture as we learned about it because otherwise you've got what the world has which is uh, I guess just a, a heightened form of courage but we need more than that we need God to do something in and through us that is beyond anything the world can offer so as you're serious about exploring fearless and even I am third for that I, I just would encourage you to stay into scriptures ask God to guide you through his word because everything you need as a coach is found in his word if you want to become a better coach yes watch a ton of tape study learn but stay in his word. He'll give you all you need to coach your players. Because at the end of the day, let me just say this. We all coach people, not just basketball. And that's why we need his word to help us become better coaches. Last thing, Coach. I remember the very first time you led a, a devotional about fearless to our guys. You came in wearing this hat. <laughs> and this hat said, fearless is foolish. And there's this part of our program where a lot of it is built on things that may seem foolish to the world how do you know when you should lead foolishly? That's a great question. I'd rather just ask you that question. But I think anytime we're walking by faith, the world is going to look at us and say, that doesn't make sense. Why would you get up on the morning of a national championship game and spend the first two hours as a team praying, reading scripture, talking about the things of God? Because there are more important things to do. But we just felt like in these moments that if we're, if we're going to be about God first and others second, then we're going to orient our lives in such a way. We're back with an overtime question from Jeremy. Jeremy's one of our favorite high school coaches. We talk a lot about culture and the I Am Third life. And he asks, at IWU, you're at a point where you have an established I Am Third culture. 
But if you were starting from scratch or at a high school and you felt somewhat stuck initially with the students you had on your team, what would be the first baby steps you would take in the transformation of a culture? Coach, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would just say I think it, it would obviously first start with prayer and, and really challenge coaches out there to, to spend time praying for their athletes because the reality is the athletes need to be coached in far more ways than just basketball. And then when those those opportunities arise, when a kid comes to you and says, hey, I got a question or I'm hurting or I need help, you've got an answer. But but you're 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 willing to step in, I guess, with some boldness because um, we, we realize every situation out, out there is different. It's going to take some courage for these coaches to to step in with I am third in some of those moments. But I think after praying about it, uh, you'll have the courage to do so. And hopefully one of the things that comes across in this podcast is we are pursuing the I am third life and it's how we desire to coach, but we're certainly not the experts that has all the answers. As we've gone through the season, you've heard some of the low points of the year and times of uncertainty and uh, just understanding that all of us are facing complexity in the leadership positions we have and trying to engage God in, in that complexity can be challenging. So that's part of the point of this podcast and hopefully anyone will feel free to reach out because we don't have the answers, but we've been through some things and we'd love to learn from some of you as well. So feel free to hashtag ask out of you hoops, shoot us an email or give us a call. And we'd love to have those conversations on our next episode. We're going to conclude season one of the pursuit with several of the key players from the national championship game joining to talk about the final game and what it was like to cut down the nets. No disrespect to Kyle. Kyle's one of our best defenders, but he was just, he was, he was hitting almost every shot, and I remember running down the floor, and we're both we're gassed because they just went on a huge run, and uh, we didn't get a media timeout until after uh, or before I can't remember what time it was, but I remember Kyle looking at me like out of breath, like take Heinen, like <laughs> I, take Heinen, and I was thinking to myself like, man, I'm just as tired as you, but I I'm a senior leader on this team, I'm not allowed to say like no to that, and so guarding for a little bit, I think he went off on me, and then Kyle switched back and got some stops, and we. Ended up winning, so. In the second half, the entire coaching staff will join to wrap up the season. They will talk about what it looks like for a group of coaches to pursue three together over the course of the season. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWUHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWUHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.